right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS This Is Awesome. We're a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 254, and this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS This Is Awesome. If you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PSN, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. As always, you could write the show at pstisisawesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends and be sure to leave comments and rate our podcast as you see fit. And as a reminder, we're a video podcast as well, so you can watch the show if you prefer on the YouTube channel. For new and or long-time listeners, we now have a Patreon. You can support this show for $1 a month at the Patreon tier called the one and only $1 Club. Head over to www.patreon.com slash awesome to become a $1 patron and get a free die-cut vinyl sticker and a shout-out on the show. The other cool thing is, is we have been posting episodes a little early for our patrons, and they know that. So we try to do that. It's not a promise, but more than likely you'll get it several hours before Monday, but probably a day early. So with that out of the way, Jake, how are you doing? Pretty good. I've been really busy. Um, Basically been going ham today since about 7.30 this morning. Yeah. Which is... Fine. It's just we're getting really close to Christmas, so I got a lot of like stuff I got to do around the house. Not to mention presents and and just other preparation and yeah. stuff. Um, I did. So I'm a big fan of like holiday beverages. So I like um, making certain types of mixed drinks during the Christmas time and different types of beers and whiskeys and things like that. And uh, I bought this yesterday. I bought this uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company, which is out of Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Makes a Christmas sale for those of you watching on uh, the old YouTubes. And uh, it's very good. It's got some cinnamon and stuff in it. So it does definitely taste really Christmassy. And uh, I was actually looking at when I bought it, right beside it, there was, I can't remember the name of the brewery right now, but they had a sweet potato ale. That I almost bought sweet potato, and that's different. I have no fucking clue what it's gonna, what it would taste like. Mm-hmm. But that might be my next purchase. Yeah. So, but so far, really enjoying the Christmas ale. I'm a big fan of. Um, you ever have a White Russian? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it sounds like a personal I question. F- like <laughs> the <laughs> beverage, a White Russian. Uh, no, I have not. I feel like I don't think. I, mean, I, I guess I don't. What, what is? I it? guess I don't. So I don't so basically it's um it is a I fucking fucked up my whatever. Um basically what it is is do you know what Kahlua is? Yeah. It's a coffee liqueur. Mm-hmm. So there is Kahlua and vodka and it's supposed it's excuse me. It's supposed to be made with heavy cream, but I just use milk. And basically it sounds – so like I was super resistant because to me the idea of having milk in an alcoholic beverage sounds fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's kind of gross. But, but it's basi- basically – technically the way you're supposed to do it is it's supposed to be like 
equal parts Kahlua and vodka with a splash of cream. Mm -hmm. So it's like mostly boozy. But the way that I like to make it is to make it like equal parts um, Kahlua and milk with a splash of vodka. And it has this real like milkshake kind of flavor to it. Like it it literally tastes like a milkshake with a little bit of like a hint of booziness to it. It's really good. But um, what I like to do in the wintertime is they didn't have it this year, at, at least at our liquor store. But Kahlua makes a version of it, at least in, historically they made a version of Kahlua that was a mint mocha version. Mm-hmm. So it was had like a mint chocolate flavor to it. So I would make the white Russian with that instead of regular Kahlua and then maybe put like a peppermint, like a candy cane in it. Oh, yeah. And it, so it has like a real like kind of – Minty kind of – Imagine like a mint milkshake kind of flavor to it. Um, so – and then you go outside and get know. a little snow and just put a little on top. You could, or some. <laughs> honestly, it would, honestly, it might be awesome if you put like whipped cream on it or, right. or something like that. But because I've also done that too, is use like whip that that like whipped vodka or whatever. But um, I don't drink vodka very often, so usually if I'm going to buy vodka, I buy something that you know I like to use for anything, not just one particular cocktail. I typically don't make cocktails because to me it's like. You have to buy all these different liquors and stuff. Like I, I always watch these shows on YouTube about like these guys that make these crazy cocktails and they sound cool, like something I might want to try. But then it's like, oh, you need seven bottles of liquor to make this. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going and fucking spending $200 on seven bottles of liquor to make one cocktail that I might not like. Right. Anyway, that was a bit of a digression about alcohol. This is a gaming podcast, but that's just where my head's at right now. Very well. Very well. Yeah, man, things things are good on my side. Uh, I I don't know. Like, I have a couple interesting stories. I know last last episode I talked about Corn McCarthy adventure. Um, this episode, a couple quick little strange things uh, that I have been involved in. Um, so I I don't know if it's like a you know like when you start getting older you just don't know how people talk to other people you know what I mean like like what the cool things are like in my day it was like calling people dude or what's up maybe not really we never call each other bro or brah you know we never we never really did that but like we like dude or like yo man like what's up man you know what I mean I don't know there were there were there were ways of speaking to each other that was like yeah we're all cool. I went to Vocelli's to grab lunch for Chelsea and I, and uh, they were really, really busy. And uh, I, ha- I was on a 30-minute break. This was Friday. I was on a 30-minute break, lunch break. So I had to get the food, and I was going to run her food at the house because she's working from home. And then I had to get back to the office. So I'm like trying to execute this very quickly. And uh, you know, the order was called in. Everything was just to grab, walk in, grab the food, leave. It should be that easy. But they were like really slammed. And um, the dude behind uh, – they, they have like this weird um, – it's like the cash register and then there's like where the cash register person would be the cashier. But like everybody there is a cashier because they don't have like a dedicated cash register person. It's like a pizza shop. So like whoever could just fucking do the cash register, they'll do it. And then behind that space, there's a wall but you can th- – there's an opening cut out into it and it's the pizza oven – in the back room, you can see it. And then it's like usually the main person who's pulling the pizzas out, putting them in boxes, you know, making the sandwiches, whatever. So this guy's back there. 
and they're really busy. And then the owner's there, and she knows me because so I go there one, once in a while. And she goes, "Oh yeah, I recognize your face." And she's smiling. She goes, and 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 the guy who's making the food's like, "Hey, what'd you have?" And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "My name's Fred, online order." And she goes, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." He's gonna want the veggie subs, you know. She's telling him, and he goes, "All right, Fred Oakman." He goes. I got you, big boy. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird thing to say to say to somebody. And I was like, that must just be like broker, like we're cool. But like, I was like, that's a, I've never been called big boy before. But I was called big boy. I, I recently, like multiple times, have had people in a public setting, like a like a server or an employee that was working with me or something, call me boss. <laughs> Which like was never a thing. We got you, boss. Yeah, right. And I'm like, why? I was like, I'm fine with it. Like I, when I was in Chicago, I was I, the the waiter came up to me and he was he kept calling me boss, and I'm like, all right, well maybe it's just this guy's thing. Mm-hmm. And then like two or three other people started calling me that. I'm like, is this a thing now? Like, yeah, that I'm missing out on, or I, I think it's, yeah. it, it's just kind of an indication that maybe you've aged you've uh, aged out of trend uh, out of common trend like changing trends i guess dialogue trends right like things that there's you know like like uh the vernacular of like youth i don't know it's interesting but yeah i was called big boy on friday and i i i think i was okay with it you know i mean like if i called somebody big boy i feel like i'd probably either get punched or like they'd be like are you calling me fat like would be the response that i would get but the way that this dude delivered it i was like he just means like dude i think you know, so anyways, I put a couple pounds on, but not enough to probably be considered a big boy. But uh, yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, anyways, the other thing that's interesting, and this this is a play on what you're talking about making custom alcohol drinks, right? This is a play on that, but slightly different, but very relatable. I usually don't participate in office functions outside of just typical office work that I that I do and. They're having uh, – because half of our office is working from home and half is still in the office. It's kind of a morale booster. They're having like a, a Christmas get-together thing on, on Wednesday. And uh, there's an older guy there who should be well well retired, but he just sticks around. Like he's a really interesting dude, um, nice guy. And uh, he, he orchestrated this Christmas cookie exchange, right? And there's, there's a few rules. It's like it can't be like store-bought. It can't be like fucking Oreos and it can't be like the Sarah Lee or the Betty Crocker ones that come in a bag. You just add milk and egg and make them like you have to actually make cookies from scratch. And I'm like, fuck, man, you know what? Like I kind of like to bake and I like to cook. I do like to do these things. I'm like, all right, I'll sign up for it. So I had to go to the grocery store today and I got all these fucking ingredients to make cookies. And it was like $45. And I'm like, this is insane. But I don't care because it's part of the thing. You know, we're going to have extra cookies. I'll have cookies to take to the, the folks place for Christmas. You know, but it's that same thing. It's like, man, if you ever want to try a recipe and you don't have half the shit there, just go to a restaurant and find something close to that thing. You know what I mean? It just makes more sense. Yeah. But anyways, I'm excited to make Christmas cookies. Uh, that's on my docket for Sunday. But uh, how about we talk about some games that we're playing, Jake, and what we are getting into. And uh, I do have to check something. There we go. That I got the time now. Um, the uh, I, I will say this because I didn't check in with you. Did you beat God of War Ragnarok yet? No. I think that I'm like 
at the like final kind of point of it, but I haven't okay. beat it now. So we can't do a spoiler cast yet on that. Okay. The other game, so I, I did, I beat God of War Ragnarok, and there's a lot of post game, post end game shit to do, which like really kind of pissed me off. Like content, like more a little like more story shit even after credits roll. And it's like I guess the mm. developers thought it was optional. For me, it's not because you just have to fucking – if you're already in that deep, you're not going back to it. Just fucking do it. Well, you can. I don't know. If it's story really. If there's like – if there's any kind of narrative to it, then yeah, duh. But it's stupid to roll credits then early, I think, initial initial impression of that. But I haven't gotten back to it after I've done what I think is all the story stuff. But I, I actually do think that there could be more story stuff that you have to go out and find and seek. And then I, – I, it's just not what I'm into. So – um, I did uh, purchase Call of Duty Cold War a while back on us on sale. I got through the campaign. It was short, sweet, and really good. A really cool campaign, man. Cold War campaign is awesome. Um, I've heard good things. It's interesting. That's why I wanted to play it. There's like actual shit going on in this campaign. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there are. So you pick your missions based on a um, a big. Uh, kind of like a board you would you would think like you know the different photographs are like stapled to it and stuff or pinned to it and maps and different intel and then you go to this board and that's how you select what mission in the campaign you want to play right and as you pro- progress through the campaign more evidence shows up and you can pick new missions there are two optional missions in the campaign and the only way the only way to do them is to collect enough evidence from the other campaign missions which is awesome. So, wait, say that again. There are two campaign missions that are optional in the Call of Duty campaign mission campaign, and the only way to complete them is you have to have collected and acquired enough. They're not really hidden. You have to pick up evidence pieces from you know, like maybe you, maybe in one of the missions you storm a guy's apartment, right? And then you have to brute through a drawer and find a piece. And that connects it to another mission on the cork board. So if you don't pick that piece up, you don't have enough information to go to that mission yet. So they do this really interesting thing. And they also give you either the illusion of choice of who you kill and who you don't kill as far as enemies. If you capture them, if you set them free, if you take them out. It's interesting. I've never seen this in a Call of Duty campaign before. And by the end of the game, I was just like, that was really cool. That was a nice – it wasn't so so off the beaten path that it felt unfamiliar. But it was, it, was, it was new enough and fresh enough that it felt worth playing. And the, ga- and the campaign respects your time. It's not very long to play through it. And uh, it's, it's nice. I think they should sell this campaign for 20 bucks. Alone, Because it's clearly its own thing. Because after I beat it, the game gave me the option to delete only the campaign portion of, of uh, Cold War and leave the multiplayer installed. And it's like, Interesting. why aren't you just selling this fucking campaign? Because you put – it's great. It's fantastic. It's really good. So I played that. I would recommend it if you can get it on sale. It's not a long playthrough. And, of course, it's they have, like, the enemy boxes. And in order, you know, you have to keep pushing forward to, to progress the the parts of the map and stuff. But it's really cool. They, they, they even give you dialogue options in this game, which is really hmm. wild. So 
for a Call of Duty game, it's unheard of. Um, I did download uh, the PS5 upgrade for The Witcher 3. That released recently. But I had some problems with it. And I'll tell you what, what happened. And if the listeners are interested, um, this is, this is going to be good information for you. I haven't... My version of The Witcher was a disc version, right? So that's hurdle number one. I bought it, I think, when it came out on PS4. So in order to get the free upgrade, I had to have my disc version of The Witcher installed. It doesn't just recognize that you have it. You have to have it installed. And then it has yeah. to be then it has to be upgraded to the latest version. Mm-hmm. And they have created a cross save between the PS5. So once you get that, then you can go get the free PS5 version. And then that will download. And that updates. So now I have a PS4 version and I have a PS5 version. But my saved awesome playthrough is on my PS4. And I was like, well, I'll just import the save file from PS Plus, right? So I import it. And now the PS4 version recognizes my save files because I've imported them. I go to play it and it says, we can't play this. You can't play this because you don't have the two expansion packs installed and you don't have all these free DLC updates that CD Projekt Red released with this game. So in order for you to pick up where your save left off, you have to get the game downloaded into the state it was when you saved the game. So I had to go back onto the PlayStation Store and download every little downloadable content that had previously been purchased. Download it. And I had to do this because... The cross-save feature requires you to go into the old version of The Witcher. It sounds confusing, but it's not if you just listen to me. You have to go into the old version of The Witcher. You have to uh, go to load game. And then you have to press the L3 button, which enables cross-save. But it does so by uploading your former save to your GOG.com account. So it saves it in CD Projekt Red's. Uh, cloud, not your PS Plus cloud. It saves it to their cloud under your account with them. And it's a free account. And the only way to do it is to do that and then power up the PS5 version and then it will show up. My issue was, and probably the listeners' issues will be, it does not upload your save to the cloud unless you open it in the most current version of the game. So you have to download all of that extra content on the PS4 version and power up your last save in order for it to send it to GOG to open it on the PS5 version. And it's a little confusing, but it does work. So Yeah, I think that's like the that's like the shitty thing about save transfers on PS5, because when PS5 was coming out, there's that whole like controversy kind of thing where where Sony was kind of him on about whether or not saves would transfer between PS4 and PS5 games. Right. And on Xbox, it just fucking works. It's seamless. There's no anything, no nothing. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But on PS5, it's like a lot of the games you have to go into the old game and you have to do a thing. You have to upload it to like their cloud, which I think their system then converts it to like the fucking PS5 version and then you can like download it to the new version of the game. And it's like I don't know. I can tell you right now, if I ever 
go to play The Witcher 3 on PS5, I'm just starting from scratch. I'm not even bothering fucking around with the old version of the save. It's not worth it. It's, there's literally no point in doing all that stuff. So Unless you, like, for whatever reason, really want to start your from your old character. Well, they have, which, a new, they have a new game plus, right? And I'm just like, I think I want to do it that way. That way I have all my fucking yeah, awesome shit. I, I, I guess I guess I can understand that. It, it's been so long since I've played the game, though, that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to remember how the combat works or any fucking thing anyway, so I might as well just start from scratch. And yeah. The only thing that sucks about the new game plus mode is that you have to do that whole like first map area thing, the, like the tutorial With mini the open stuff. world. Yeah. And, yeah, and then you go to like the main area or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's cool, but I just – they make it so hard to fuck with all that stuff that I – I don't know. But I'm in rock and roll it mode. It sucks. That's, that's the good news. I'm in rock and roll mode. I, I only got into the game briefly this evening before we started the podcast, and it is buttery smooth in 60 frames per second. And it's like, holy shit. Like, I got to I gotta play this game again. I have to do nice. it. It's so good. Um, anyhow – Jake, what have you been playing? Uh, uh, God of War. That's it. All right. Um, I haven't really been able to. I've been just been so busy with work. I haven't really been able to do a whole lot of gaming. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'm really close to the end of the game. I think. Um, really enjoying it. The story is getting kind of. Wild, I guess. Um, but I don't really have a whole lot else to say. I mean, I, I have to imagine we could probably do the spoiler cast over uh, the holidays at some point. Yeah, I don't get any time off, but yes. Well, uh, yeah, I I'm off the whole week between Christmas and New Year. Well, let's do let's do both spoiler casts, the Mass Effect and the God of War, and get caught up. We should be able to do that. All right. Yeah. Well, let's dive into listener feedback. And I will say it's been really nice hearing from the new listeners and the old listeners alike. And uh, I just want to encourage that to keep happening. Um, we have a lot this time and uh, some first-time listeners writing in. And uh, I want to I give a big props to, to play by Ken because I think he was the trailblazer here. And I think every time he puts a comment in, it, it falls into some algorithm and someone else finds our show. So thank you. And uh, our last episode um, on YouTube had like 50 listens w- pretty quick, which is awesome for our YouTube channel because we don't get a ton. We are that small little mom and pop podcast, but those who have found us tend to stick with us. So we appreciate that, guys. And uh, so the first the first listener feedback is a follow-up on our experience with the Forspoken demo. Um, Tyler, Tyler Rims wrote, and he says, uh, first-time listener, on the topic of the Forspoken demo, I've learned that you can turn down the banter between Frey and Cuff. You might be able to turn it off completely, but it's in the accessibility options. Because we were complaining about how like every two seconds they were like, you can just turn down the volume so you don't have to hear that. That's a nice feature. And then I don't want to turn down the volume. I just don't want them to fucking do it so often. <laughs> but it's nice that you can turn it down. Right. I think once. Yeah, but what if like what? It, 
But like, what if they, what if they make like some sort of important, like comment. narratively important comment to each other? Yeah. Like, I want to be able to hear that part. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to hear them being like, whoa, that was crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I'm being a little bit goofy. Jake's but, drunk. Uh, uh, so you can, he, then not yet. Tyler also wrote, he said, you can also quick swap between spell sets using the right and left on the D pad. And I had no idea that existed. Um, he said, that's more important. Yeah. And he said, in my opinion, that's more important. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, in the options, you can also tune the slowdown that happens when you bring up spell will. I made it completely stop time, but you can also make it where it doesn't slow down at all. So these are features that are quality of life features. I guess you can call them that, but like things that Jake and I had some major complaints about that Tyler apparently found in the in the, the gameplay options. So thank you, Tyler. Um, I didn't even look there, to be completely honest. Uh, you know, hmm. I just kind of played it with how I wanted them to have me experience the game. So... Nice that those at least are in the options. It's weird that they wouldn't make that the default, though. That's what I don't understand. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I didn't look to see – I didn't jump in after we got this comment to see, like, the extent at which you could make all these changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if it's as – if it's relatively thorough and it allows you to kind of make some changes and stuff, I mean, I don't understand why they wouldn't just – tell you that yeah. <laughs> that you could do it i mean so to me it seems like you know i if you're doing the tutorial if you're gonna make me do a tutorial like tell me that i can make do like that i can quick change between spells maybe they do and i just didn't fucking see it but i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know what yeah, yeah yeah but thanks for let thanks for riding in dude for sure and uh we hope to hear from you again in the future um the next list of feedback was big box uh, Fred, any headstones influence in your musical style? I hear a little Hugh Dillon in your Christmas song. I'd never heard of headstones. Um, that's such a rad band name, by the way. Uh, and I did check them out, but I, I'm not sure that it's the same headstones. Um, I went on Amazon Music and I listened, and they were fine. No, but yeah, I've never, I've never heard of them. Um, but uh, I'll take that as a compliment for sure. And I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that people are new. People are experiencing that Christmas song of ours. It's so good. Um, it's a fucking good song. Yeah, I don't it's, know. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, um, like, I, I feel I, like I wish we just would record a new one every year. I want to. Like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be unoriginal. Like, we could even play around with. Uh, like some of the public domain stuff yeah, and just like make original versions or something. But I like that song is so fun just generally. And is so thematic yeah. that I, you know, I, I, Sarah and I were putting up the Christmas tree. Yeah. I don't know, a few weeks ago, a couple after Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, we always put on Christmas music while we're putting up the tree or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, when she wasn't paying attention, I, I I popped that song on and she got a kick out of it. It's so it's, good. Like, it feels like Christmas. It's just a good song. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, Big Box also has a question for you, Jake, which I like this question a lot. Um, he says, also curious if Jake is open to any multiplayer whatsoever. He seems pretty down on the genre as a whole. I'm wondering if he can identify what it is about multiplayer that repels him so much and if that can be cured with proper game design down the road. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> So, so I will. So I'll answer this question. I love the question. So, the, uh, like, if you want to know my sort of general opinion towards multiplayer, 
just wait till we get into our wrap up and you can see how much multiplayer gaming I did this past year. But um, I will say that if he wants to know like what repels me about it, it's like I love the idea of multiplayer. Mm. I love it in concept. The problem is that I play video games to escape and to sort of kind of be able to experience something that is kind of uh, that allows me to that's like sort of outside of real life and a lot of that a lot of my enjoyment is me being able to take my time to smell the flowers and all this kind of stuff and play games on my own schedule and all this kind of crap and like you know to me like for example Skyrim is the t- is a type of game where I just you know I can fall down a rabbit hole with that where I love the idea of just jumping in that game kind of running around and then just seeing what I can find and the idea of like another human player with like their fucking name over their avatar as they're like jumping around fucking teabagging enemies and shit like that totally breaks the immersion for me (laughs) and completely ruins gaming. Like to me, gaming is all about um, escape and immersion. And it's really hard to do that on somebody else's schedule. And because gaming to me is not a social experience. Right. Like if I want to do like for me, social experiences are things like hockey. I I do I do the band for that. I do hockey for that. I, I like to do in person stuff when I want to do social things. I don't really like doing virtually social things. Mm. I'm not you know, I'm not one for dude. I won't even fucking. I hate fucking even like skyping my family because I would much rather see them in person. I right. just I don't for some reason there's there's a disconnect with me. Like the idea of like a digital social space is very, um, it's very like for it makes me feel weird. Like I would rather be in person with people and hang right. out. Yeah, and all yeah. that. I get a like, little uncomfortable much, too sometimes. Like I'll be honest with you. Like there are times where I where someone will call me or they'll want to Skype me or whatever. And I'll just be fucking annoyed and cranky the whole time I'm on the call with them. But if we were in person together with me being in the same exact mood, I would probably have a great time. And like there's something about the 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 digital aspect of it, mm. like that sometimes you lose service or you're, you, it drops your call a little bit or whatever. Um, and the thing with video games is think about something like Destiny, for example. Destiny is the only multiplayer game I play and it's – it's a technicality because I play it by myself, even though there are other people in the world. You can't control. And them. so, like when you're playing with other people, like Fred, you and I have played. A, I wouldn't say a ton of Destiny yeah. together, but we've we've played quite a few games together. And there's a lot of like like story missions and stuff, and it's really hard to to be like with your friends and like everyone's talking and shit. And I just want to like hear what's going on. I want to watch the cutscene. I want to know what's happening, but everybody's fucking talking. And I, dude, I, I cannot multitask at all. If people are talking in the background, I cannot hear what is going yeah. on. Like my brain just doesn't operate. It's that fair. Way. It's fair. So, response, yeah. so I'm sorry. That's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I do. I will admit that like, I 
kind of envy people that are into multiplayer gaming. Like, I wish I could do it, but I just, it just doesn't jive with me for some reason. Yeah. I think it's just because of like, like the, the theme of my gaming is different than the people that play, you know, Call of Duty or Destiny or Dota or something like that, where it's, it's more about the, the competition and, the the social aspect of it and everything and that is just not an aspect that i've ever really needed in my gaming short of like way back in the day when we were passing nes controllers back and forth right like like there's like even to into adulthood um a friend of ours would come over to my house and we'd hang out sometimes and occasionally i would bust out my super nintendo and we would just you know, have some drinks and him and I would talk and then we would just pass a controller back and right. forth playing Super Mario or something like that. Because it was just one of those things where, um, I don't know, lent itself to that. There wasn't so much story. There wasn't so much immersion. It was more about the gameplay part. Um, well, maybe, maybe, anyway, I, maybe factions will bring you around. Maybe. I mean, I, I really enjoyed, but here's the thing. If we're talking about factions, the original, story. Oh, the original sure, Survivor right. mode in The Last of Us, mm-hmm. the first game. The new factions. Um, yeah, so if we're talking about the original factions, part of the reason why I loved that so much is that they fucking cut all that shit, all the social stuff out. It was like competitive and it was like a thing, but it was very – they Naughty Dog somehow found a way to make it super immersive. And personal. And personal – Without there being like all of this multiplayer shit just puked on top of you, yeah. breaking the experience for me personally. So, you know, it's not like like the, you'll never get me to play a fucking Call of Duty game again on multiplayer just because of the lobbies and the, the fucking people that play those games. And it's just I get some people thrive on that, but it's just not for me. So yeah. big box. I hope that answers your question some. And if you have some suggestions for games that you think uh, might be suitable for me, I would I would welcome them. But the big one of the big limiting factors is that, like, I'll be completely honest. I do most of my gaming between five and seven o'clock in the morning, and I don't know any of my friends who are awake and want to do multiplayer gaming between five and seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, unless they've been up. All night and having because because I always play I always I always do my video gaming before work and because it helps me wake up and kind of get ready for the day and then in the evenings I always spend usually I'm watching TV with my wife or something like that so I'm usually not playing much video games in the evening but anyway that was a really long winded answer but hopefully it enlightens you a little bit yeah next next listener Josh Peters writes in he's a patron so we're gonna read his Um, we'll make this one quick he said uh, four quick points. Number one, I didn't know they were making another Death Stranding. I remember finishing the game and wanting to talk about it, but no one in my circle played it. I loved it, but I can see it being one of those games where you have to be in a particular mood or mindset for it to be enjoyable. Number two, Fred should play Returnal. It's basically a Christmas game with all the fancy flashing lights. (laughs) Number three, I think federal student loans have always been 10 years. Maybe you guys just did an extended payment plan, LOL. (laughs) Number four, you guys should just soundboard the PSS is awesome part of the outro because we're always out of sync. 
I can't figure out how to do a soundboard through all this bullshit, so that ain't going to happen. But uh, thanks for writing in, Josh. Played by Ken wanted me he, – he said he didn't care, but I wanted to correct a statement. Last episode, I said that he didn't think that Judas looked good. I misread that, so this is why I've copied and pasted exact screenshots of our comments on our show notes. He actually said that it did look interesting. So it opened a great dialogue, so I don't regret – so he's so he's bus. so he's 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 risen in esteem in my eyes. Yeah. Well, he he, he was correction. he was he was maybe uh, maybe not. For all I know, this could be for all I know, this could be fucking Ken Levine, dude, it the could maker be of the Ken game. Levine. <laughs> could you played imagine? by Ken Levine? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but uh, he wrote, and he always writes a lot of stuff. So I'm just gonna comb through some of it real quick. Um, because he's on a streak and we got to keep, keep giving him a shout out on the show. Um, he did say that if they get the controls right for Company of Heroes 3, it, it could be an amazing addition to PlayStation. They're great games on PC, but real time strategy games ported to console often come unstuck with poor controls. I don't disagree with that. He says he has Sudden Strike 4 on PS4, and while it's one of the few good real time strategy games available on console, he constantly feels like he's fighting with the controls. And then he said, regarding all the not actual gameplay trailers shown at the Game uh, game Awards, I think I'm just particularly hard on them because I'm still feeling burnt by the Cyberpunk 2077 release. It had flashy trailers and hype that eventually hooked me into pre-ordering the game for PS4. I'm old enough and just the right side of dumb enough to know better than pre-ordering, but I did it anyways, and I really, really regretted it. That game was a disaster at release and so disappointing on PS4. It's a lesson I won't forget quickly. So when I see flashy not gameplay trailers, my guard goes straight up. And I don't disagree with you. I mean, that's that's a that's a school of hard knocks. So there. he is one of these. Like I didn't know personally mm-hmm. anyone who actually played this game on PS4. Right. And uh, so yeah, He's a victim. That sucks for you, dude. That <laughs> uh, I I watched some gameplay on PS4 and it is. Fucking broken. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 No country. I would have got. Men- I would have gotten my money back from Sony. Yeah. I, I, who knows? Maybe <laughs> he did. I don't know. Uh, so he writes in. I had that Court McCarthy experience. He said it. I really enjoyed No Country for Old Men as a movie. It's a fucking fantastic movie, listeners. And if you haven't watched it, watch it. Um, it's so good. Uh, he writes, I didn't know it was a book adaptation. Yes, it is. And then uh, he said he have to look into the author and read more of his work. Some of his work is really good. Some of it's a little out there. Um, just be warned, a little warning. McCarthy does not use uh, quotation marks in dialogue. So you just kind of have to figure it out. He he gets a pass for some reason in literary circles. It's just his thing. It's his trademark. So you just got to fucking figure it out. Um, he does use spacing in the the way that it's written. So it's, every line is a new line of dialogue. So he uh, – he, he gets away with it that way. Um, and he said, uh, do you know when when you hear anything about a cyberpunk song? Um, it's a crazy number on entries. Wishing you luck with that. Hope we get to hear it one day. You guys will definitely get to hear the cyberpunk song at some point, whether it's in the game or not in the game. I'm going to make sure that happens. They said on the website that after we submitted that entry, uh, that they said it would be 10 days, I believe, after January 31st. So by February 10th-ish, they should notify all the winners. If I don't hear anything, I'm just going to assume that we didn't get it. Um, so anyways, back to the real-time strategy. He wanted to know if we ever played Command & Conquer games on PlayStation 1. Mm. Um, he said they were his introduction to real-time strategy on the console. 
And I'm sure if I went back and played it now, the control, excuse me, the controls would be frustrating. But at the time, I knew no better and had a lot of fun with them. I never played Warcraft 2 on PC. Unfortunately, I think my time was spent with Age of Empires. Because I, I told him that my experience with real-time strategy games growing up was always Warcraft 2 on PC. Like Warcraft mm-hmm. 2 and 3. I loved those fucking games on PC. They were mm-hmm. so good. Um and then he said it was great to see uh, us getting more feedback and interactions. Looking forward to listener feedback, having some new names. I agree. So thank you for that, all the listeners. And he said the show has a really solid content without a lot of BS. I really think it's just a matter of, uh, of the audience finding you guys, the needle in the haystack, particularly on YouTube. Thank you for your commitment to giving us a great entertainment on a regular basis. That alone is more than some other podcasts manage. So thank you for the kind words played by Ken. And then lastly, Clint Gilmore writes in. And Jake, you were trying to figure out the name of the game um, that uh, whatever. He said Pyre was the super giant game we were trying to think of. Yeah. So thanks for that update. So he's not wrong about that. Anything on any of those comments, Jake, or we can get into into the news. So a couple of comments. One, uh, I do want to get back to Death Stranding. Josh was talking about it. it ever, like Especially since they announced the new one. Like I definitely want to make sure I get back to that one and beat it. Because I did enjoy it. But it is kind of a – like you, you have to be like into it. Yeah. Because it is a very strange game. I mean, it's it's fucking FedEx simulator. Like, but you're walking around. Like, it is actually a walking simulator. Not like, you know, we use that as like a term for a lot of these other kinds of games. But um, I would like to get back to that. And uh, RTS is like the age of or the uh, Command and Conquer era and all that stuff. I was playing all those RTS games on PC. To me, I like I didn't play any of that stuff on console. I don't know if I've ever actually played an RTS game on console, to be honest with you. Pretty much every RTS game I've ever played has been on PC. Like I'm with you, the Blizzard RTS games like fucking Warcraft 2 and StarCraft, the first one with the expansion Brood War, were like uh, my jam in the fucking late 90s, early 2000s. You're talking about Warcraft 2 with they had that expansion Tides of War. Oh, yeah. With the with the ships, so good, and then uh, and then they had um, Starcraft, Starcraft with the expansion Brood War, which both of those games were so fucking good, and um, Command and Conquer was also really good, but but it didn't jive with me as much as the the Blizzard RTS games, and I also did play Age of Empires and. Um, Oh, what was the other one? It was like really similar. Was it called Empire Earth or something? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. Empire Earth. Yeah, yeah. So Age of Empires, Empire Earth, they, they kind of run together in my brain. And then um, I also dabbled a little bit in some of like there there was that there was that Lord of the Rings RTS and there was that um, Star Wars RTS. I can't remember the names of them right now, either. but they were both in that kind of era, a little bit after StarCraft. Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed them, you know, a little bit. But for me, you know, if you're talking about like Jake's favorite RTS of all time, the first StarCraft. But if you're talking about, you know. Games that give me the warm and fuzzies, Warcraft Two definitely is on the list because, like, I just there those games, you know, like uh, Warcraft and Starcraft. Blizzard was always really good about 
when you would get new units or you would make them do something, they would always have a comment. Yeah. Like they would say something mm-hmm. like when you made them do something. And like those just those little sound bites are just fucking seared into my brain from those air that era. Chopping wood. And I can I can replay that in my brain right now. Like chopping wood in yeah. Warcraft. Yeah. Chopping wood, making the I don't like they had it in Warcraft one, but I can't remember in Warcraft two if they made you make the roads. Did you have to make the roads to put your buildings on in Warcraft 2, or was that just Warcraft 1? I don't think it was 2. I don't remember. Um, but yeah. It's been a long time, man. Love RTS games. I, I suck at them so bad, especially because I knew people that were so fucking good at StarCraft. But uh, they are really fun. Yeah, I, are. I actually would like to get back into them for sure. They can be a little stressful, though, too. When you start losing shit, Like it gets really frustrating. Like yeah, when your stuff definitely. starts tumbling. Um, all right, let's get into the news, Jake. This is going to be a pretty, pretty. Uh, what, what would you say? A, a pretty reasonable podcast as far as length, so pretty modest. Um, but there is some stuff to talk about. So the first, the first news point is more about Jake and I, kind of in a way, and maybe about you guys as well. But PlayStation has what they call the PlayStation wrap-up. And at the end of every year, they send you a link in an email, and you can click this thing, and it shows you all your fucking information. Um, about, you know, total play time, how many games you played compared to last year, your favorite genre, how many trophies you got, all that stuff. So real quick, and this is going to be similar to maybe what we did with the playtime and the uh, – from PSN trophies kind of recently, but this is, this is direct from PlayStation. So it might be a little more honest, a little more accurate, but so I'm just going to go through mine, Jake, and then you can go through yours. Uh, my, mine, uh, the very first thing it talks about is total playtime. So my total playtime was 536 hours. And that is 10 more hours than I put in last year, which is weird to me because I felt like I didn't get as much gaming in this year. So it seems weird it seems weird that to me it's actually wild that you only had a 10 hour difference from year to year. That would mean that you would have a pretty consistent gaming schedule. All of my stuff is really strangely consistent here. Like it's really it's really bizarre. Um it's really fucking wild actually. Um so yeah, so 10 hours more this year than last year. So I must have had 526 last year, 536 this year. Um, the top games played, first of all, I played 41 games this year. I played 40 games last year. So one game wow. difference. Uh, my top game was GT Online with 100 hours, which is crazy to me. But I believe it because I fucking put a ton of time into that when I got sucked into it. I told you guys I sucked into it. And then uh, 77 hours with Horizon Forbidden West. And uh, 50 hours for Mass Effect Legendary Edition, 48 hours with God of War Ragnarok, and 31 hours with Call of Duty Warzone. My favorite genre, they say, is action-adventure. And then as far as trophies I earned this year, I got 365 trophies this year, and that's a 3% increase from last year. So pretty baseline, really, for what I normally do. And I only got one platinum this year, and I don't remember what it was. Did I platinum Hmm. Forbidden West? I might have. Mm. I might have platinum mm. that game. Yeah. I don't know that I did. I don't know what game I got a platinum in. But then it's because it didn't tell me. But I, I did add 
from all of the games made available on PlayStation Plus, games that I actually added to my library, which are probably the plus essential games, I added 31 of them, probably because I already owned quite a few. The, the, here's the trick on those. If you own the disc-based game and they give you the option to get the digital version on the PlayStation Plus, just get it. Just fucking add that shit to yeah. your library. I try to add everything to my library. But 31 games um, added through PlayStation Plus. Jake, what are your numbers? So d- did you have how many days you played? I don't know. Is that a thing? I mean, it was it was in there, but I didn't know if you... Well, you give me your numbers and I'll look. So I played uh, 327 hours okay. of games. So obviously down a little bit from Fred and... I played a total of 247 days. So Jesus. there's actually quite a few days this year that I didn't play any games at all. Or the th- I guess to be fair, to be fair, this doesn't include any hours that I spent playing games on my Xbox. So there there is some stuff there that is that is missing. Mm. Obviously there's some stuff that I've talked about on the podcast that I played on there that um mm-hmm. like you know I've discussed Pentiment and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, and all that kind of stuff. So these numbers aren't entirely accurate. This is just my PlayStation numbers. Because I've also played a few things on PC as well. How many days did you have? Um, 247. I had two, on 232 days. So you got me beat on days, but I got you beat on hours. That's strange. That's really strange. You must play. So So that would mean that you would average almost two hours a day when you did play. That sounds about right. On the days that I play, yeah. Yeah. Two hours maybe in the evening or like, you know, whatever. Sure. Keep going. So if you're you're talking about games. Also, um, hold on. I'm sorry. No, all right. Sorry. I saw another hours played that said 463, but that's splitting it between online and local. So my total hours, it was 536. I'm right. Go ahead. Sorry. I digress. Pardon me. I played 20 games. And okay. my top games were on PlayStation again. Put an asterisk beside all my numbers because I also played a Disclaimer. bunch on Xbox. Um, so my top games were Horizon Forbidden West, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, God of War Ragnarok, and Deathloop. Uh, I played Horizon for seventy one hours. I played. Cyberpunk for 54 hours, Mass Effect for 48 hours. Um, you and I were really close on Mass Effect uh, and Cyberpunk or and Horizon actually. God of War, I'm currently at 38 hours. I still haven't beat the fucking game. And Deathloop, I logged 30 hours. Man, Deathloop is so good. Uh, so, and my favorite genre is action adventure, just like Fred. 149 hours of action adventure games. And let's see. I got to be careful because if I press the fucking back button on my phone, it logs out of the goddamn PlayStation thing, which is stupid. Jeez. Uh, sorry. I'm trying to, I'm doing You're this so live. I didn't, put, I didn't put it in the document. So, yeah. There's a surprise. So <laughs> 27, 27 monthly PS Plus games added to your library. Now, I wanted to say that total play time i wanted to go back to this to 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 just kind of add on to big box's comment um 
327 hours played locally, zero hours played online. Oh my god! <laughs> so in the last year, I have zero online hours with my uh, with my gaming. So if that tells you any, if that that should tell you everything you need to know about uh, my preference for single player versus multiplayer so let's, gaming, which is weird. Which is weird because I did play quite a bit of Destiny. So I don't know how they must not count that for some reason. Maybe they don't count it because I wasn't in a party or something. I don't know how the a lot of these numbers are calculated, but. Uh, those are my numbers, and they, they. If you haven't, if you haven't done this wrap up do it for yourself. It's really cool. It kind of shows you like all your shit for the year, and each there's like four different sections: total play time, top games, trophies earned, and uh, PlayStation Plus. I don't know if I did trophies earned. I got two hundred trophies, no plats, because mm. uh, I'm a fucking loser, straight up, and. I and each one of them also highlights a specific PlayStation game. Like the like the the first one, Total Play Time, highlights God of War, or sorry, Horizon. The second one, which is like the total like the number of games played, highlights God of War. The one that talks about the trophies that you've earned highlights Gran Turismo, and it gives you stats about like how many people did this in the game and how many people yeah, did that in the game. Not your personal stats, but it'll not your it. personal stats, but like overall stats. And then the uh, the fourth one, which is the trophies. the PS Plus one, I thought was kind of cool. They highlighted Stray. Oh yeah, I which in it. my opinion, which in my opinion is a very um, I, I I think everybody should play that game. It is so cute. If like it is really cool. Um, and I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast before, so I won't go into it, but it it is very cool, especially because it's free on PS plus. I don't actually, I don't know if it's still free, but I assume that it is. I think it is. And, uh, yeah. So that's a cool little thing. Yeah. Go. The way to get to it is wrap up like W R A P U P dot playstation.com and you just put in your credentials and then it just gives it to you. It's really cool. And then you can share your card also. So if you want to share your card link on our YouTube channel, I'd be happy to look at some of your guys' wrap ups. See what you guys are putting in. Um, you can share it with other people. So let's move on, Jake, to the next, to the first actual news point for today. And this is involving NetherRealm Studios. So somebody asked if we would be getting anything new from NetherRealms in 2023. And Ed Boone responded, I shouldn't answer that. But he wrote, answer. ANS23R that. So it's likely we might be seeing a new Mortal Kombat or Injustice game next year. So um, that's kind of exciting. I really liked those Injustice games. Did you ever play mm-hmm. any of those? No, but I've heard really good. Actually, the Netherrealm Fighters, Mortal Kombat and Injustice, I've heard really good things about because of the the story modes apparently are fucking awesome in those They're games. They're amazing. And I've never played them just because I've never really been all that into. F- I mean, I, we've talked about fighting games a lot on this, so I won't go into it. But um, I've always been curious, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like I should, especially if any of these are on PS Plus or anything, I should just try it because I've heard really good things about them. I'm not a big DC fan, but it's cool. I mean, it seems like it's really neat. It's actually. really, really cool. Yeah, I, I played through the. It might have been Justice One or Justice Two. I really, really, really liked it. Next news point, Mister Peters. 
This is uh, involving a lot of people's favorite studio, which is From Software. They did announce a game at the Game Awards I don't think we really talked about, but um, they indicated they'd be returning to the Armored Core franchise. Um, They're going to be doing Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. So when players asked if they should anticipate a more Souls-like approach to this new title, Miyazaki said they weren't going to be making a conscious effort to try to direct it towards more Soulsborne type gameplay. The essential direction of Armor Core 6 was to go back and take a good look at the core concept, pun intended, I think, of Armored Core and what made that series special. And it's been confirmed that part of the game will still include building out your own mech. And uh, I believe the director um, from Sekiro Shadows Die Twice will be directing this title. His name is Masaru Yamamura. And uh, so that, I always liked games like Mech Warrior where you could like spec out your mech and like earn mm. credits and like put on new rocket launchers and all kinds of cool shit. So I don't know, man. From Software has a lot of money now and they could probably put out a really good Armored Core game, I would imagine at this point. So I'm curious to see how this is received. Jake? Dude, I am all about it. I I know that this is that it's not the same thing, but this game reminds me a little bit of just, you know, this like action action oriented mech game reminds me a little bit of uh um Zone of the Enders, which was a Kojima game, and the the specifically the second game, Zone of the Enders, the second runner is fucking awesome. Now, part of that could be because it's Kojima and it's got like a cool story and it's like some anime style and shit like that. But Armored Core is like really neat in the fact that you like it's like a mech action battle game, but you're you have the ability to upgrade your mech and and do all this crazy shit. And Mm -hmm. it's got these like sort of semi open kind of maps where you're fighting all these bad guys and stuff. And it's. It's something that I would really love to see what uh, modern from software does with an armored core, an armored core game because I think it could be something that is just like really really cool. I uh, dude, there's nothing. There's very few things that are more awesome than giant fucking robots, and the idea that you can like have your own and and uh, modify it to to your spec and pl- do all these battles and shit. Like, like you're talking about the old mech warrior games on PC and stuff were really fun because of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now those were first person, but it was still really, um, really fun to do that. So I, I I'm excited about it to be honest. Yeah. I, I think, I think we're well overdue for a fun game like that. So that's kind of exciting to hear them talk about it. And, and, you know, oftentimes when a studio finds success, they try to bake whatever it was about that game that made it successful into every other future project, you know, and 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 you could, they kind of get lost in the weeds at times, right? That can happen. So I like the fact that they're coming right out and they're like, yeah, this isn't going to be a Soulsborne style game. So all these fans of From Software because of Dark Souls, Demon Souls, you know, all these things they, – they might be disappointed about this Armored Core game and it maybe not capitalizing on the difficulty that those games have. But, you know, I think that this is a this is a uh, brave approach 
from From Software to recognize that, like, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself into one kind of game. So I don't know. But they may have tendencies now as a we'll developer. We'll you see. know what I mean? We'll so, so we'll, I mean, I'm not saying that it's probably not, it might not be, you know, fucking super ass hard like these games are, but you may see some of that Elden. Like, honestly, if they make, if, if they're going to grab anything, grab like the open world kind of a, like, vibe of Elden Ring and put it into this, but like have it more mission based, like that would be really cool because even though the combat was really challenging and I could do with like some simpler combat, like the open world aspect of Elden Ring was fucking awesome. And so I hope that that they come up with some really neat, uh really neat implementation and kind of I, it's it sounds weird to say get out of their box on this because the old L Armor Core games are their games. But get out of their current box, if that makes any sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good, man. All right. Well, let's get to this next one. This next one's interesting to me. They're all kind of interesting. That's why I put them on the list. So rumors were circulating about the end credits um, on the recently released The Callisto Protocol game, which was directed by Glenn Schofield. And uh, he was the the Dead Space guy. But uh, I so the interesting thing is, there were, there were rumors saying that, like, oh, you know, Sony did so much for them and, and, you know, maybe they did more than what they're letting on because there were 150 names in the credits of all Sony employees. And so Glenn Schofield put a tweet out and he says, you can't chase every rumor online, but I have to clear this one up. There are Sony people in the credits because we worked with them on the performance capture of our cinematics. They didn't do any additional work on the game. I hope that clears up any conf- uh, confusion. And, you know, I I don't know why it would matter per se if they did or didn't. But, you know, we're, we're living in a time where some people are being upset because they didn't get credited for helping. And now, so this is maybe the opposite where, like, you know, Glenn Schofield decided, like, every motherfucker that touched us this game on for motion capture that worked for Sony, let's put their asses in the credits because they really helped us out. Right. And now everyone's speculating, Oh shit. You know, Sony did made half this game for them. And like, no, that's not the case apparently. So what do you think about that? It's interesting. I don't know. I, I just, it, it bothers me that people like to, people are in the modern internet age, quick to kind of slap down, a studio's ability to do something successful on their own. Like, I don't, I don't know what has, what, what changed in recent years where everyone like is just, Oh, they're, they're like, um, advocates for these multi gazillion dollar companies. Like nothing can happen without their, (laughs) their, like their direct influence. I, I don't know. It's weird. There, It's not – people are like, oh, well, this guy – because Sony helped them with the motion capture. Because to be completely honest, uh, like a proper motion capture studio and setup is incredibly expensive. And complex. And this, is, and this is a brand new studio. So they probably cut a deal with Sony where they were just like, hey, you know – We'll give you some marketing rights and in exchange you can maybe lend us your mocap studio so that we can 
get some of the motion capture done and we don't have to foot the bill for that ourselves or, or like make our own studio or whatever. And to me, that seems totally fine. Like this guy was one of the creators of the original dead space. Why would you not assume that he was able to make this fucking game? Yeah, why would you own? discredit him and like, just I, think like, yeah, this guy, I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know this game didn't get a 10 out of 10. You know, there was some, there are some issues with the like the technical experience and maybe a little bit on the writing side, but like, I mean, nobody's out here saying that it's a bad game. I, I don't know. I it, it's I just wish that there was a little bit less drama, negativity, just just by default thrown out there. It would be one thing if like like something came out and they were like, oh, this is worth being negative about but people just immediately are just like dismissive and it's it's frustrating yeah i did i just don't like the drama that shows up you know what i mean i'm glad that that mr schofield came out and he was like yo here's the deal um you know i i you know it's gotta be it's gotta be tough when you're in a position like his right like dude just putting out a record on a small level like like i do and then getting negative feedback is like can be really deflating, but then you kind of go chasing for the positive for the positive comments, right? So I can't imagine being on a level where everybody's fucking talking about the thing you created, right? Like that would be a very difficult uh, wormhole not to fall into. And then you know, like he's saying here, you can't chase everything that everybody says and say, "No, you're wrong about that. You're wrong about this. You're wrong about that." You know, nope, you're right about that, but he's wrong about this. You know, everyone's just fucking running their mouth about something they had no fucking clue about. But like he felt it was important enough, and probably um, not only to make sure the people who, at his studio get the praise that they deserve for working so hard on this game. Not, but also to not discredit the Sony employees for what they did, because the well, think about think about well, the the way that I was thinking about it is it's a little bit more personal. Would be imagine if let's say your song gets on the Cyberpunk game, yeah. and let's say after that, one of by land or Fred Oakman and the Flood blows up and right. becomes this phenom- has this like phenomenal selling album or something yeah. like that. And like people getting online and just being like, "Oh well, CD Projekt Red is like the reason that you're successful." Right, 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 it's right, like right, they sure. they helped, you know what I mean? But like people would have had to have still listened to it and liked it, right? For it to be successful, right? I don't I don't know. It, it's it's it is weird. And like I said, it, like I wish that people could just be. Happy. So Jake, about you're saying there's a chance. Out you think it might get picked? You heard it. <laughs> I mean, there's always there's it's always possible. a chance. It's a good song. Yeah, it's possible. It's a good song. I do think that there's chance. Um, I mean, if the right people it's hear no, it, it's it's no fucking tis the season, but it's pretty goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not about Christmas. That's for sure. <laughs> we should have we should have written a song about Christmas in cyberpunk style. Like, oh yeah. My God. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, dude. Um, anyways, let's get on to the next one, man. Uh, I already feel like we've been going too long, but it's only been a little over an hour, um, which is used to be our average show length. And I'm trying to bring it back in, but there's been some shit to talk about. And our there's more listeners right in. The more more we're going to interact with people who support the podcast. 
Final Fantasy 1 through 6 pixel remasters were rated for the PS4, so it looks like they'll be coming very shortly. These games are already available on PC, these pixel remasters. Um, I think it's great. Why not? You know? Yeah, I don't like the, like... I don't like the remastering the way that they change the visuals for these mm-hmm. games because the original version looks so fucking good and the pixel remasters to me look bad mm-hmm. by comparison. They should have just they should have just literally ported the original games. But I've been really wanting to play Final Fantasy four and I've never had a chance to play it. So I really would like to play that and this is awesome. I, I do think that people should Definitely, if you're not gonna, if you play one game from this list, play fucking Final Fantasy VI. It is so good. It gets like super hard at the end, but like it is so good. I I, I played it on um, PS3 and Vita. I was because you could bounce your save back and forth mm-hmm. with like the PS1 classics on your Vita and your PS3. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, we might have even been doing the podcast whenever. There might even be episodes of the podcast where I'm talking about it. But <laughs> it's uh, it's a very good game. Uh, so this is cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's a good little tidbit for any any of our listeners who like these kinds of games. Um, and by saying these kinds of games, like dope-ass games. All right, so the next news point is uh, I want to talk about Something that Jake has been a running theme the last couple episodes of our podcast. Um, and it, it, it's not about Amazon Prime video, but so Henry Cavill, you guys know I'm a big Witcher fan. Henry Cavill has announced that he's fucking done. He's not doing Geralt anymore. It's because the showrunner, uh, uh, it's presumably or assumedly, however you want to word it, is is going way off the beaten path of the successful novels, and and Cavill is like a very a staunch supporter of the books and The Witcher, and he essentially bowed out. So he announced he announces that he won't be returning after season three. Not only that, he's also Superman in the in the DC universe. Superman, and he's no longer going to be doing Superman now. He's like, I'm out. And everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, And my thought was, well, maybe he thought he was going to be Superman, so maybe he'll come back as Geralt now that he doesn't have any jobs. Now he's fucking like nobody. Au contraire. Uh, he is now going to be the executive producer and lead actor in a Warhammer Space Marine series coming to Amazon Prime Video. And if you've seen any interviews with Henry Cavill, He's like a super nerd, man. He uh, he paints Warhammer figures in his spare time. I guess when he was on the set of The Witcher, like they would just get Warhammer games and play them. <laughs> like he's a total nerd, a hundred percent nerd. He's read all The Witcher books. He's 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 like one of us, man. Um, he just happens to be extremely good looking, fucking smoking ripped, hot, yeah, extremely good, good looking, ripped, and uh, a really talented actor and really rich. But he's of the same ilk. So the fact that he is going to be the executive producer on this series means that there's no way it's going to go off the beaten path because he's going to have the fucking last word on a lot of this shit. So. 
That's huge. I wish that he would have been the executive producer for the Witcher series, but he's not, so he can't make those calls. This is exciting because it's Space Marines, man, and it's Cavill. It's going to be awesome. Well, did they? To be fair, did they say that it was going to be about Space Marines? Yeah, that's what he's into. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that is one hundred percent. He's in. He's into the Space Marines aspect. Yes, of yes, that's what he's because there's there's so much that like. Yeah, right. It could be anything. No, he's dialed um, into Space Marines. That's his that's his thing. So this is what it's I gonna be. I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see like how they It'll be a while. How they convert that to like a live action <clears throat> sort of thing. But because Space Marines are, are like these they're, they're basically I mean they're they're humans, but they're basically fucking robots. And they're like they're like these giant genetically engineered yeah. fucking super soldiers that are you know, have this armor and they have all these like brother. organs like just removed and replaced with other organs. Like it, it's it's really, really bizarre. I, I think that it's so here's I'm of two minds about this. If I'm if I'm putting a positive spin and a negative spin on yeah. this. Right? So positive spin Let's go negative spin first. Some people probably look at this and they're like, is this guy just uh, like tough to please? <laughs> right, right. Okay. So so is he just tough to please? It's possible. But the way that I choose to look at it is that he appears to be like a legit nerd and he's got enough money and success and fame at this point that he has the ability and to put his foot down for what he believes in credibility as which well. go ahead which is which is the sanctity of the original source material and so hopefully he can kind of take this take the reins a little bit at least on this I know executive producer doesn't mean that you're like the fucking last buck. But you do have a lot of sway in how things go. Maybe this will be this will be interesting to see like how this comes out. Is it like how true to form it really is, and what um, what we really see? And Warhammer is a really interesting thing because he could start this is, dude Warhammer. I'm not even fucking around. <laughs> It could literally be like an MCU type scenario, yeah, yeah, for sure. Or they could have tons of different shows in the Warhammer universe. I mean, look at just the amount of games that they've made in the Warhammer universe because of how vast it is. So he could be getting in the, on the ground floor of something pretty fucking big. The thing that's now Warhammer, Warhammer, just one one quick no, thing yeah, before good, you go yeah. is is like Warhammer has never really. It's about as mainstream as miniature battle games get, but it's never really become like this huge thing. There's like a vast majority of people on planet Earth still don't know what the fuck Warhammer 40K is. So it'll be interesting to see like if he can bring it into the light just like he did The Witcher. And I don't want to say he's the only one that did The Witcher, Netflix, all the everybody involved kind of made that successful. But Imagine if this fucking comes out and now the most sought after game on PSN is Warhammer Space Marine. And they got to remaster the original one oh, dude. so that they can put out the second one. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't know. I, I want to see what this, how this turns out. Yeah. I was just going to add one thing is like I don't know 
100% if it has been confirmed that it's live action. I would think it would Dude, even if it's even if it's animated, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be live action cuz if he's going to be in it, I mean, you're going to want to see that handsome face. So, my guess is is that it's going to be live action, but the other thing is is if it is live action, the budget for this fucking thing is Amazon can afford it, but I mean like holy shit, like if you want to do it right, it's going to cost so much money. Well, they did the expanse. I mean, and that is pretty sci-fi. So, I don't know. You fucking know that Henry Cavill wants to wear Space Marine armor. He wants to walk around in the fucking armor. Yeah. 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 You fucking know this is a live action thing. Yeah. It's got to be. Anyway. He's supposed to yell yeah. it for the Brotherhood. Yeah. And just charge. And, and speak in like fucking Latin and shit. I'm like sure that. he's doing it right now. I'm <laughs> sure he's been practicing. You know what I mean? He's probably in front of his mirror with his fucking homemade, Jesus. you know, Warhammer. It's not even real, man. He's so cool. All right. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Um, that was kind of game related because we've been talking about Warhammer. Jake, this next thing happened to me. And do you remember me sending you this and showing this to you? So there's a what? news article on Push Square that says PlayStation will pay for you, will pay you to provide customer support on its behalf. I had an invite to the to do this, and uh, I didn't do it because I wasn't sure what I what I would have been getting into. Um, I'm just gonna read real quick the article from Push Square verbatim, real quick, and then you can offer any kind of. I'm gonna skip around a little bit, but it says um, essentially. Place all right. Sony has uh, begun sending out recruitment emails to some of its users, inviting them to help out their fellow gamers in exchange for cash. Yes, Sony will pay you to answer support questions from other PlayStation users. Quote: We've teamed up with the folks at Limitless to offer you the opportunity to put your PlayStation knowledge to the test. And get paid for supporting other players with their questions, end quote, reads the email. And this is an email um, that comes from, uh, I don't even know, it doesn't even say, uh, PlayStation Lifestyle, I guess. And uh, the opportunity is first come, first served. And should you be successful, you can start earning a little bit of money for your contributions. Limitless is the company they're working with to offer this is a business solution that allows brands to have their loyal users who are arguably the most knowledgeable, keep in mind, I got an email about this, to engage with customer support. After registering with Limitless phone, with the Limitless phone app, you need to pass an assessment of some sort. If you're selected, you can answer support questions via the app with up to $1.20 paid for every query you resolve. New starters also get an upfront payment of 10 bucks. So it's not major money, but if you know your stuff, you can make a quick buck helping Sony out with troubleshooting. It's just weird, man. First of all, I don't know what your time is worth, but there's no fucking way you're going to get me to do this for a dollar twenty per resolution. I'm sorry, unless it literally takes two seconds for me. How to do I turn off thing. my PlayStation? Yeah, I'll answer that for a dollar twenty. My time is literally worth more than it would the time it would take me to type the fucking response to that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now, I get like if, if people are like super, super knowledgeable and they can answer like a bunch of these and they're really into it, then yeah, maybe it's worth your time. But I don't know. I'm speaking purely from my standpoint, my point of view in my life. Other people may be more into this. To me, this is just like a waste of time. Is it weird? And, and it's just like, it's like Sony trying to not have to pay their own tech support people. Exactly. Yeah. That's the way it strikes me. It's a weird thing for a company the size of Sony to do. They're, they're almost in a backhanded way trying to, uh, the smoke and mirrors is like, oh, you can make money and talk about PlayStation. Here, help us answer these other. Your fellow Gaber's questions. I don't know. It's just really bizarre. I have nothing else to say about it except that I was offered the opportunity to be a part of this. And uh, I started doing it just to see what the hell it, it was all about, right? Because it came from Sony for sure, the email. And then as I it redirected me to the Limitless site, I was like, I don't want to put in my personal information here. I don't know what this is. But they did say that you'd have to take a quiz. And uh, who knows what the fuck those questions were, but... Anyways, I, I digress. Jake, I, we don't need to talk anymore about that. But what I really want to talk to you about, because this should excite you. Um, last episode, you said that Hideo Kojima arguably makes the best video game trailers. Did you yes. not? So, well, Kojima Productions is joining forces with Hammerstone Studios to make a Death Stranding movie. Hideo Kojima will be the movie's executive producer. Much like Henry Cavill... Um, with the Warhammer series. The movie apparently will feature new characters in the Death Stranding world, but there's no word if any of the existing game characters will be starring in the movie. So Norman Reedus and whomever else is in it. And this is not shaping up to be a PlayStation Productions release either. So how do you feel about this? Um, I don't know. Like, I kind of like the idea of him focusing his attention on games but if a Death Stranding movie is going to be made it's gotta be him <laughs> I, I, I I mean I know that sounds weird but he like he has to be involved right he can't not it's be his vision and you better believe that movie is gonna be fucking weird as shit and probably nonsensical but by the end of it, you're going to be like, that's awesome. I have no idea what the fuck was going on, though. And so uh, there's something cool about that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see what this ends up being. If it's going to be animated or, or live action, it could be It could be interesting. Yeah, it'd be like going... These games are so... It, sorry, I was going to say, these games are so lifelike anyway. It could be live action and really not make that much of a difference. Yeah. You can just fucking drop Norman Reedus in there and, like, cool. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like watching a movie like this would be equivalent to like going to an opera and just bawling and having no idea why you're crying because like it's just like this is supposed to be like really emotional but I have no clue what's happening. <laughs> it's just like it's just like Norman Reedus on a fucking beach with like a baby. It just speaks to your soul somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's, know. Either. It's weird. But he just takes a baby and puts it in a jar and it turns into an octopus. Dude. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's like a drug trip, but uh, it, like, hits me deep, yeah. even though, I, you know, I don't take any of that stuff. It resonates with you. Um, so speaking of Kojima Studios, uh, they – Kojima Productions, rather. They're, they're – Studio and I talked about last episode. Game developers are showing off for studios lately, like flexing. 
Kojima Productions uh, recently released some pretty, pretty fantastic footage of their studio. And their studio is like really wild, man. It's like I'd be nervous to even exist in that space because it looks so space age and futuristic and clean. It's weird. Dude, I want that fucking statue of the astronaut that he has mm-hmm. just like in my yard. <laughs> I'm sure know. he doesn't want it in your yard, but yeah. Or or just like or just like uh what I would do is I'd secure it to the bottom of my pool. So that like when people jump in there's just a fucking astronaut in the bottom of my pool. It'd be so cool. It's in this anyway, latest it's really dope. This late yeah, this latest vi- uh video of the uh studio, they walk right in the front door and it's it's not even in his office. It's just like one, like all the all the customers. It's just there. It's on display. Dude, the money that some of these fucking studios spend on their office spaces, I cannot imagine what uh, what like a normal small business could do with that. Like, I, it's insane. Like, they have just these insane spaces that are. Now, to be fair, like these guys are are working long, hard hours making these games, mm-hmm. and you want them to be in a good headspace. But uh, a lot of it is is it's just so. A lot of these studios are just architecturally so unique and interesting. Yeah, they're really. It's it's really cool. It's really really kind of bizarre. Um, I don't know. Let let's go to the next one. Uh, yeah, go check out that video of Kojima's or Productions because that it, it it's like. 30 minutes long and it shows you all the inside of their studio. It's wild. Um, RE Village, you guys know, I always talk about Resident Evil 7 and PSVR. Um, we know Village is coming to PSVR 2, but it has recently been announced it will be a free, free update for anyone who currently owns a PS5 version of that game. So, and it's also going to launch on game day. On VR, sorry, VR2 release day. It's going to be a launch game. Jesus, I can't talk right now. So, holy shit, that's awesome. Jake, you haven't played Village yet. Uh, I suggest you buy it and play Village. I've played Resident Evil 7 in VR without playing the game first. So, I challenge you to play Village entirely in VR, front to back, your first time playing the game. I'll have to play something else in VR first. Okay. So I can know if I'm capable of tolerating an entire game that long. It would change in your VR. Because <laughs> I've never been one to really enjoy the spooky stuff in sure. VR. Fuck, dude. Like, I, because I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I've never really been into, like, the, the jump scary kind of stuff. Like, like the thr- thriller stuff is fine. You know, like to me, I would say that um, Thumper is a fucking thriller. When you're playing that game, it like it like puts you on edge. The <laughs> atmosphere and the music and everything. They better make a fucking Thumper two for PSVR two. Oh, it's coming, dude. Yeah, it's the same goddamn game but different levels. Underrated. Um, yeah, so good. But I do want to play this. I, I do want to play Village, and I very well may play it in VR if it comes out. Like, because I probably will not get to it because uh, PSVR two comes out in February, and the likelihood of me getting to it before this comes out is roughly zero. So, yeah, maybe I will. Man, it would be such. An it awesome just really boils down to like how it controls because, like, it 
if it makes me nauseous in any way, I'm not going to want to do it. But like if there's like because the problem is, is free move with VR can sometimes make certain people nauseous if it's not handled very well. Mm. So if I get that feeling, I'm not going to want to play it that way. But if I can play it and not feel physically hindered by it, I, I might be doing it. I'm actually jealous. I should have waited to even play this game for the VR version. Man, I'm so disappointed now because it was uh, it was one of the best experiences I've had with video games was playing the first, you know, Resident Evil 7 or whatever in a VR, my first playthrough. Like, I don't like scary shit either, but it's scarier than any haunted house you could ever put me in. And, uh, yeah. But I knew I was safe because you just stop and you, you just close your eyes or whatever. You get real freaked out. You know what I mean? You, you know you're fine. But what a what a wild ride. So I challenge anybody actually who's getting a VR2 to play Village their first playthrough in VR. Let me know if you can do it. Let me know if you have the balls to do it. Uh, so the next one is kind of interesting. I've enjoyed the newer Tomb Raider games. And as it turns out, after Crystal Dynamics was... They were purchased by Embracer, correct? Is that right? Crystal Dynamics? Crystal Dynamics? Yeah. They were picked uh, up by Embracer Group. Yes? Yeah. So it appears now Amazon Games is going to be fully supporting the team for Lara's next adventure. The game will be another single-player narrative-driven adventure, and this will be the biggest, most expansive Tomb Raider game to date per a joint statement that was shared by Eurogamer.net. So they're working on another Tomb Raider game that apparently is going to be the biggest and most expansive game, and it's going to be backed by Amazon money. So who the fuck knows what we're going to get with this? Uh, I don't like the Amazons in the game. I don't. Game I just don't want it. I don't want it to be bigger. I just want it to be better. That's all I want. Do you do you care though? But like, I don't like Amazon getting involved in games though. I don't mind if they stick with like the the the, the movie shit, like the Prime videos. But like, everyone just wants to go where the money's at. They know money's with games, so it makes sense that they're involved. But man, if they're only providing money to like the studio to like work on the game that's fine they just want their name attached to it that's fine but we're starting to enter like a weird territory i think i don't know i i don't guess i don't really care all these games are freaking can all these studios and stuff are consolidating and, and shit anyway because inflation is destroying the value of the dollar so everybody is just kind of buying everybody else and kind of consolidating everything and so I don't know. I mean, Amazon is Amazon. It is what it is. I don't know that I necessarily really care so much about that. But I just – I haven't seen anything to give me any amount of faith that this is going to be any good now that Embracer is a part of it. Yeah. So like I don't know. I didn't play Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which was the third game. It's good. But to me, there was a there was a drop in quality or in – what I considered to be goodness between the first Tomb Raider, the reboot, and from, I think, 2016 or 14 mm. or something like that, um, and Rise of the Tomb Raider. I thought the OG Tomb Raider game, OG meaning the first reboot, in my opinion, I thought it was better than Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I might be a minority opinion on that. 
part of it could have been colored a little bit by the fact that it was on Xbox for a year before we got to play it. But um, and I heard Shadow of the Tomb Raider was even a step down from Rise of the Tomb Raider. So what does this mean? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I liked I, them all. Laura, Laura Croft to me, like I in the first game, I thought she was an interesting character, and in the second game, she just like is instantly just a killing machine. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I like I would like a little bit more character development here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand why, she, like, she goes from a girl thrust into this crazy situation, figuring out her destiny, to suddenly, between game one and game two, she's this, like, psychopath fucking murderer. Right. And, um... I don't know. Like, it's not is it's you know they're always compared to Uncharted, but I think the reason is that like the Uncharted games do a much better job with the pulp aspect of it, the development of the character while still kind of embracing the idea of the fact that Drake is killing all of these guys, but it's not destroying his character because it's it's pulpy and it's fun and it's actiony, and while still like it's a delicate balance. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess, I guess, uh, I, I haven't really commented too much about the fact that Amazon is the one doing this. And I guess the one positive thing about this is that Amazon has basically infinite money. So if this means that Crystal Dynamics can take their time and do what they want to do and spend, you know, make it as polished a game as possible, mm-hmm. then sure. I'm all about it. Take Amazon's money. Fuck it. But if, uh, you know, if they make this game bigger and better, if they make this game bigger and bigger and more expansive at the expense of it being a fucking good Tomb Raider game, then I don't want that. I don't know why anyone would want that. I want games to be smaller. Games are too big now. I want them to be smaller. I agree with that. I think that I'm tired of these slogs. Like, I'm so – not that God of War was a slog, but, man, it was way longer than it had any – any business being and then when you finish it you're like ah oh, fine there's a great story i'm glad i got through it and then like there's post game shit and you're just like what yeah there's like an epilogue and all that more than yeah, that. i don't know it's like, like it's crazy it well remember red dead 2 yeah you finish the fucking game and there's 30 more hours after that it's like what the fuck like it's good like i just like, i just man. yeah i like it i like it but it's you know god i mean now granted we're speaking from the perspective of busy adults or whatever, but I, I've been playing. When did God of War come out? I don't even know. Like, like November eighth or something like that. Yeah, sure. Eighth or ninth, something like that. I've been playing the game for literally a month and a half. I, I would like to move on. I, to be fair, when I play it, I fucking have so much fun. I love the characters. I love the story. The combat is amazing. Yeah. But I would love it if this game was 20 hours, a tight 20 hours and done. And then I could jump off and on to the next thing. Yeah. Whatever that is. Mass Effect 3 or, or, um, the, uh, the fucking space game that just Callista came out we were Protocol. talking about earlier. Callista Protocol. Um, I don't know. I mean, something. I get people are trying to get 
I mean, think about like the game. Like everyone's bitching about how much fucking games cost, and developers are talking about like it's like it's insane. Games cost fucking you know two hundred million dollars to make now, and it's like, well, stop making them thirty fucking forty fifty sixty hours long. Yeah, right. Make it a fucking t- tight twenty hours, or even twelve to if fifteen. You wanna, yeah, and if you want to have a DLC team come in and you know make some side content and extra quests and all that kind of stuff. That's great. You can even charge for that shit. I get that there, but I, I do understand the flip side of it. And we're in a privileged privileged position. We can afford to buy these games at seventy dollars and all that. But like, everyone expects this shit to be free now, and it's like, oh, if I'm paying seventy dollars, then I have to have a hundred hours of content because time. E- I, w- because I want a one hundred hour game value. with new game plus. <laughs> it's like are you yeah, fucking I, insane do you want to play do anything actually, else do people actually play games like that like, yeah I, I, they do I, man. I don't know they do i don't uh it's not for me it's not speaking my language i my my issue with the length of games makes me actually think that the callista protocol is exactly what the doctor ordered because they say this game is ridiculously linear and uh, it's they're almost like you can't fucking get lost. Like there's only one way to go the whole game. And it's like fucking sign me up. Like I just want to go this way and I want a story and I want to fucking mash some buttons and make it cool. Like that's all I fucking want. Like I don't want to have to fucking look for things, treasure chests, that maps that lead to locations in like a map the size of fucking, I don't know, the United States where I have to find a tree that's bent just the right way over this ledge and then maybe there's a treasure there and you dig it up and it's like, oh, here's another here's another clue. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, I don't... I don't have... I want a game that respects me as a gamer and my time. Now, God of War, they kind of... Like you said, Jake, man, I love that game. But towards the end of my playthrough of that, I had trouble even turning it on because I was like, how much longer is this going to go? Like, I, I got to get through this. Even though it's I'll fun. be honest I'll be honest with you. I, I feel like God of War even though the game is longer, I feel like the experience respects your time. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I I, I had a problem and we've talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast with The Last of Us Part Two, because I feel like the game was way longer than it needed to be. Like I don't think that the game needed to be that long. Yeah. God of War, I'm saying, yeah, you could probably tighten this game up and make it make it shorter. But every time I'm doing something, I feel like I'm doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not in a, a great frame of mind to be able to really like. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and try to compare God of War and The Last of Us Part Two. It's it's yeah. fucking pointless. Yeah, They're completely points. different games. But, like, I would love to hear – like, we've been getting a lot of listener feedback recently just generally. I would love to hear from the listeners if there's anyone out there who has an argument for these games being excessively long. Like, other than the obvious, which is, like, I can only buy one fucking game a year. I need it to be 150 hours long. Yeah, or just, like, it's you like, know, it's g- like give me $70 worth of – 
experience, right? Like I want if I'm give me as much game as possible because I just love fucking playing games. So give me as much as this thing, right? I, I think our argument, Jake, is that like sometimes less is more. That's all I gotta say. Dude, I I I don't know, man. I, I love to me if I can what I would love out of a game like God of War, and I don't know how you do this, so don't say that this is like the the be-all, end-all solution, but I wish that there was a mode where it was just like fucking linear mode. Turn off all the side quests. Like, <laughs> stop dragging me off on these side things. Like, just let me go through the story and just kind of pigeonhole me. Make it linear. And then when the game is over, open the world up. You know what I mean? Like, then you have all this endgame content. Now, I understand that it's difficult with God of War because one of the benefits of doing all the side content is that you make the game easier for yourself because you get to upgrade your character. You find, like, the... The um the rare resources to upgrade things like your axe and your chaos right, blades, your armor, and stuff like that. all that shit. Um, you know that stuff is important, and I do think that there's a lot of side content that is worth doing. But I I haven't played a lot of the side quests in God of War from a narrative perspective, and been like, this is important. Other than to me. The only one there's only one quest that I've done, and this is, and I, I won't say it, but say like what happened. We'll write it down in the spoiler cast. But there, there was a quest that you do relatively early in the game, a side quest that you do with Atreus that is that presents a touching moment between father and son. Oh, sure, yeah. And to me, that's like worth doing. But a lot of them are just like, oh, the the fucking ghost needs you to collect six jars. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't worth my time. But if you're like an OCD gamer, you're like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I paid for this experience. Yeah, it makes the game fucking 50 hours long. And it's, it's, I don't know. This this is something that I feel like is first world problems. I get it. Yeah. This game is amazing. All that shit aside. Yeah. What what is it? Listeners, let us know. Do you have a, a... a way to justify games that like tend to have, I don't know, more game than it seems like Jake and I are are willingly happy to go through and play, right? Like, I feel like the older you get, the more valuable your time becomes. And I think that's 100% a true statement. And uh, at least from your own perspective. And it's just difficult for me. And and the problem is, is Jake, like if we weren't stuck in God of War right now, like we have jobs, like we talked about, we have jobs, we have other lives, but we're not, this is a labor of love, this podcast. So like, we're not only doing this channel, right? This isn't what we, this is, this is like so uh, low on the priority list in our real lives, but we still make it happen. But like, I can't justify staying up till like three, four in the morning playing God of War so we could talk about a new fucking game on this podcast, unfortunately. So this is like as true as you're going to get to like just a regular, regular two dudes that just fucking play games in their spare time. Like that's what this podcast is. And to me, 
it it bothers me a little bit because I felt the need to, to, to play God of War, not only because of the podcast, because I really wanted to play it, but also now I feel like it has held me back from getting into the Callisto Protocol or, or you know, maybe playing these other things that I want, you know, I wanted to get back into Cyberpunk. I wanted to, I want to try the Witcher thing, but now I've got... I don't know what to do now. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's like we've went two or three, maybe four weeks longer of shows where she's like, what are you playing? God of War. What are you playing? God of War. What are you playing? God of War. God of War. Doing this on the side. What are you still playing? Jake, you're still playing fucking God of War. Like, it's just like, wow. Like a regular human being who does not devote their life to gaming but loves to game, this game is taking a chunk out of your time. And it's like – it's a great game. I don't, I'm not trying to sound disparaging about it at all. I just think it's a fan, fantastic game. And I don't even know that it overstays its welcome. I just wish that like, some of these AAA games, first-party games in the future, didn't have to be 40 fucking hours, right? I, 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 give me like a 12-hour game. Give me a 12-hour single-player game. Maybe that's what the Callisto Protocol is. I don't know what the time to beat of that game is, but they're saying it is straight straight and narrow right down the fucking middle no i don't think there's side quests i think it's just a fucking linear this is your story from what i've read and that makes that game seem so much more appealing to me and i think some people were actually upset about that like the game is ridiculously linear and it's like that's what i fucking want give it to me i don't know that's what's up what's the time to beat on that, did you, what's time to beat Callisto? I think it's like twelve hours. Or Dude, that. oh man, I, perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. I think that's. I do. I do understand the value proposition, though. Of like, people. I feel like people overvalue things, like game time with how much you spend on a game. But again, like I mentioned earlier, we're at a we're in a place of privilege where we can afford to play different games. And so, you know, to me, Dude. think of, th- go back to, go back, you know, 10 years ago to Journey. And Journey was 20 or $25. And the game only took an hour and a half to beat. But I, that experience, I would have paid 60 fucking dollars for that. Mm. It was just so good that I feel like part of the issue is just we're, we're locked into this, like, games cost $70, games cost $70, games cost $60. It's, like, if if the value of games was a little bit more fluid mm-hmm. and manufacture I say manufacturers, it's kind of a weird term, but, like, uh, publishers <laughs> and developers were a little bit more fluid in terms of their pricing, then maybe people wouldn't be so weird about, game length and stuff like yeah. that. I don't know. It's yeah. weird. I don't know. Let's move on though. Let's let's keep yeah. this thing rolling. Um good good little sidebar there. I I don't think I'm going to recode it as anything but Tomb Raider and Amazon and uh, Amazon games, but if the listeners listen, they'll they'll hear that nice conversation. Um let's get on to this next news point. Spider-Man 2 is uh apparently coming out fall of 2023. That's right around the corner, man. And and just just to piggyback on this, what I want to do, real quick, Jake, look at that link in there. 2023 is going to be 
an absolutely ridiculous year for video games so far. And uh, I'm just going to name a couple of these games. I mean, it's absolutely insane. The 2023 is going to be like a year of gaming probably to remember. Um, I, I, I'm assuming these games come out in 2023. If they actually come out. So Monster Hunter Rise already kind of out for Spoken. Dead Space. Deliver Us Mars, which is a sequel to Deliver Us Moon. Um, we're getting Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, let me see here. Wild Hearts. What's that? I don't know. Wild. Atomic Heart looked that's awesome. A, that's an EA game. Yeah, Atomic Heart looked awesome. And then the Like a Dragon Ishin game's coming out. Horizon Call of the Mountain on PSVR 2. Octopath Traveler 2. Destiny 2 Lightfall. We're going to be getting uh, Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. Um, that game's Call of Bones everyone's talking about. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Resident Evil 4 Remake. We're getting a game. Uh, let me see here. Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores, which is the DLC to Horizon Forbidden West. Dead Island 2, finally. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League is coming out. Street Fighter 6, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, a, a RoboCop fucking game. Um, let me see here. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, which we just talked about. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. <laughs> Uh, Alan Wake 2. Um, I don't know if Aliens Dark Descent is a new Aliens game. I, I know that there were some rumors about them making another Alien game, but I don't think that's what this is. But that Ark Raiders game is supposed to come out in 2023. Armored Core 6, which we just talked about, The Fires of Rubicon by FromSoft, is coming out. Um, Assassin's Creed Mirage. It's going to be insane. The Company of Heroes, RTS, Company of Heroes 3. We're getting Phantom Liberty, the DLC for Cyberpunk. The Uiden Chronicles, 100 Heroes. Let me see here. Flashback 2, which is insane. That Goodbye Volcano High game we had talked about. Oh, my God. Like The list is insane. Uh, finally, the Sands of Time remake, Prince of Persia. Remnant 2. We talked about that last episode. Um, we're getting remasters of Suikoden uh, 1 and 2. Let me see what else is here. System Shock, The Division Heartland, and uh, The Wolf Among Us 2, among a million other games. Like, 2023 is going to be fucking insane. There's not going to be a shortage. They have that Pragmata game on here, which is weird because I don't know that I've seen anything about this since the PS5 reveal. That's really weird. Um, yeah, I clicked on it. I don't see any... It does say 2023 on the Push Square site. But yeah, I don't know anything about it. Is it possible that's actually a 2023 release? Who fucking knows? It could be one of those games. Just a place it a Capcom game. It could be one of those games like uh, Deep Down that never fucking came out. Dude, so if you're a listener, write in. Tell us what you're looking forward to in 2023. There's going to be a ton of freaking games coming out. It's, it's insane. That list is crazy. It's crazy town. And... Uh, Dude, I wish – I'm actually really looking forward to some of these games like Hogwarts Legacy. Persona 4 Golden on PS4 is fucking huge. People should definitely play that. Diablo 4. Um, Diablo 4 looks Atomic really Heart. exciting. Atomic Heart looks great. You know, obviously Octopath Traveler 2 looks great. Final Fantasy Horizon. Games. Yeah. Final Fantasy, Resident Evil 4, Jedi Survivor. Fuck, there's so many on this list that just looks great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome, dude. It's going to be a great – and we still don't know when when the new Naughty Dog game is going to get put out. Um, 
they said we'd hear more about it in 2023. I mean, I, I maybe you might see a, a Q4 release on that. You don't know. It's possible. And then lastly but not least, there are some really cute holiday cards from your favorite PlayStation Studios over on the PlayStation blog. And you guys can check that out if you choose. And I just thought it was a nice way to kind of wrap up the podcast just by – we're not going to talk about them or anything. But you guys can go check them out. It says Seasons Greetings 2022 PlayStation Blog and Friends. So that's kind of nice. I want to say Naughty Dog started that trend with their holiday cards. And now a lot of studios are doing it, which is kind of cool. But – Yeah, I um I will say just to kind of jump back a sec – the Spider-Man 2 is coming out, mm-hmm. and, dude, Miles Morales was so good. And it was, like, it was it was a little short, I'll be honest with you. You could, if you really were hauling ass, you could beat the campaign in, like, three hours. I'm fine with but, it. Like, um, but it was only 40 bucks. So I'm really curious to see what they do with the, with the second one. And how big they make it. I mean, honestly, if it's even if it's even as big as the first one, that's like fine with me. You know, it's like you got a tight like 15, 20 hour campaign with a bunch of extra shit if you want to get the platinum. For like and all an open worldish kind of game that works, yeah. It, but I am curious to see if it will end up being cooperative because the, the trailer made it look like it was going to be. Yeah, we'll find. So out. it will be kind of interesting. Interesting to see. Yeah. And well, I do love, you know, these uh these I'm looking at the the uh holiday cards oh, yeah. that are on the PlayStation blog. They're all really neat. I like when um, they do that. There's a lot of cool yeah, ones. The one I, uh for God of War is the first one, and then there's one with Aloy and then Spider Man and you know, I don't know. House Mark has one here, and I don't even know what that. It must be return, returnal stuff. It's returnal, yeah. Tiny Tina Wonders, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Square Enix has some shit on there. Um, yeah, it looks it looks really cool, man. Some of them I don't even know what they are. Like, what is the Naughty Dog one? What what is that? Is Joel and Ellie in a weird like abstract? Who is that on the Naughty Dog one? Do you know? Yeah, I was looking at that one. I I assume so, but I guess but I yeah, because it's coffee and Joel, Joel likes coffee. It's them sitting around a campfire. It looks like um, it's just kind of abstract. The Ben Studios one is weird too. Oops. I couldn't quite figure that out. It's got to be Days Gone. What has Ben done lately? I mean, it, it is weird how it's like a real picture though. Of like a snow Of an globe. actual ornament. Yeah, of a globe. So I was hoping that maybe in some of these holiday cards that like we would see like a clue as to what a studio is working on. You know what I mean? Sucker Punch has, you know, Sly, Ghost of Tsushima. They got Infamous on there. That's kind of fun. Um, then we get, a, we get a thing of The Sims with an abominable snowman. There's a Rocket League card on here. It's kind of cool. You guys should really check this out. It's kind of neat. I, I'm all about this kind of thing. But, yeah, uh, Activision is a picture of a dude that looks like Santa with a fucking, like, MP5 or something. <laughs> like, it's like, come on. Time for a not-so-silent night. Unbelievable. Uh, it's cool, though. Yeah, so go check it out. And then Blue Point is interesting. Um, 
it looks like doesn't it look like that's Kratos's axe? It does, yeah. Is that a sign of something? What did Blue Point do with God of War? Who knows? Maybe they're going to remake the original three. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe there's a sign there. It looks like Kratos's axe for sure. I don't know the shield and the sword there. I don't know what that could be. That's interesting. Um, that also could just be like a play on uh, they remade what what was that game that came out in the PS5 came out of Blue Point did. It was you're a, talking about uh, Souls? Demon Souls. Yeah, it could be like a Demon Souls reference. I don't know with the shield and stuff. Um, we're talking way too long, dude. And our listeners, I think, like the fact that our podcast is a little more uh, concise. So I'm going to quit. You can keep looking at these cards, Jake, but I'm going to sign off. Do you have anything you want to say before we end out? Um, we should have one more episode before the holiday, I think. No, this is it. This is it, um, I believe, before Christmas. Yeah, Christmas we're going to have to decide what we're going to do. We're going to have to decide what we're going to do on Christmas because I can fucking tell you right now there's no way in hell that I'm going to be recording on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So mm-hmm. maybe we can try and squeeze one in on Friday or something. Yeah, let's try to record yeah. on 23rd. I get out of work early. They're letting us out four hours early. So we could record the 23rd. I think that sounds good. There's no new games to talk about. Uh, I think a lot of the new sites are, are you know, uh, also winding down. Um, we usually get our list off Push Square. They didn't have any new list up, so we're just going to bypass the new games coming out this week. So, yeah, um, if we don't talk to you before Christmas or the holiday or whatever you, whatever you celebrate, have a have a good one. Have a great week. Uh, have a nice Christmas. Have a nice holiday. Be kind to one another. We always used to say in our podcast, Jake, that it's really important to spend time with family. Um, it's okay to put the controller down for a little bit. And uh, pay attention to your family because, uh, you know, that's that ultimately is is more important than, uh, you know, getting the wolf school armor on the Witcher upgrade. So, yeah. And whenever you play Call of Duty in the next week, make sure that after you insult a 13 year old. You say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Maybe while you're teabagging them. Just, just add it on after you – like when you're teabagging them, like try to project like images of pine trees and yeah. uh, family family fun. Just apologize for teabagging <laughs> them and say I really don't want to have to do this right now, but I really want to wish you a nice Christmas, a nice holiday <laughs> while you're just like bam, 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 teabagging. He's so funny. Just in the most calm voice, you know. I'm really sorry about what's happening right now, but you know, I gotta stick to have some nutmeg. Yeah, Jesus. A little nutmeg for fucking hot chocolate. (laughs) I'm not gonna go there. Uh, that got nasty real fast. All right, guys, that's it for the podcast. I appreciate you all listening. Um, this has been episode two hundred and fifty-four. The PS, this is awesome. We're a PlayStation podcast. We are every week. If for some reason we disappear next week, which I don't want to have happen, um, it's only because of the holiday. But we will get the episode out. We're going to try to get it out on Monday. So Christmas is Sunday. We'll try to have it out on the 26th. Uh, no promises this, t- this week. you got to be a little forgiving with us. But uh, we're going to do our best. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to the new listeners. I hope we didn't rant a little too long recording this on a Saturday night. So the mood is maybe a little bit different, a little more loosey-goosey, a little less um, uh, rigid as it has been. But uh, we will be back in true form. And thanks to the listeners for writing in all the time. And don't forget to sign up to our patron for $1 a month. 
With that out of the way, like Inscription, Isonzo, and Ironclad Tactics. P.S. Yes. This is this is awesome. awesome.